I wanna go ahead and open the word. I know we're supposed to do announcements and all that, but I just, I wanna jump right in right here, right now, when we're really pressing into the things of God. So um, is that all right if we, if we change the schedule a little bit? So um, I, I, I talk a lot about the fact that we are children of the Most High God and we're not orphans anymore because we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. I talk a lot about the fact that we are no longer sinners and we should not identify as sinners. We are saints. We, we, we are a different set apart people. But here's the problem. S sadly, I think we think that we go from sinner to a little bit less of a sinner to a little bit less of a sinner, to a little bit less of a sinner, to kind of okay, to maybe one day I could work my way up into being a saint before God. No, that is not the way the kingdom of God works. When we repent of our sin, when we make Jesus Lord of our life, we immediately go from sinner to saint. End of story. We immediately go from orphan to child of the most high God. It happens in a moment, but we're no longer sinners if you surrendered your life to Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Yes, we have a lot to learn in the process of sanctification. Like a newborn baby that's learning to walk, it takes a minute. I'm not saying it happens overnight, but God doesn't have any stepkids. You are 100% fully a child of the most high God. You're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. My children were mine the moment they were born. It wasn't like, well, we'll wait and see how they turn out if they're really gonna get my last name. Well, there's sometimes Josie's when they acted terrible and a fool. But they were always mine. Romans chapter five said it this way. Paul said to the church in Rome, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Oh, that's nice. When did he do that? When we were still sinners. We used to be sinners, and when we were sinners before Christ, Christ died for us, meaning he loved us when we weren't worthy of receiving his love. He loved us first, when? When we were sinners. So sometimes they're like, well, I don't really feel the love of God. Well, it's not up for you to feel it because he loves you. He loves you so much. He already loved you before you were born. He's crazy about you. When you were a sinner, but you're not a sinner anymore. Because you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You're a child of the Most High God. And I'll tell you what. Saints don't sin. Thank you for the one amen out of 500 people. Somebody online on YouTube was like, amen. I'll, I'll take that amen. Saints don't sin. That was weak as I asked for it. Saints don't cuss. Saints don't lie. Saints don't get drunk. Oh, fewer amens on that one. If you struggle with getting drunk, don't drink. I come from a long line of alcoholics on both sets of my tree. So guess what? I don't drink. Period. Not a sip, not a drop. Why? Because the Bible says don't get drunk. Well, but it does say you can have, you know, Paul told, listen, I don't drink because I don't even want to take one step close to an area that is a huge sin in my life and in my family. And saints don't get drunk. Saints don't get high. Saints don't look at porn. Saints don't fool around with people they're not married to. Saints don't get angry. Saints don't yell. Saints don't lie. Saints don't cheat. Saints don't sin. I love how quiet it is. All your amens got super quiet and cringy. It's awesome. I'm gonna prove this to you scripturally, you ready? 
Saints don't sin, they instead live a godly life. Second Peter, by his divine power, God gave us everything we need to live a godly life. Leave that verse up for a minute. God gave us everything, what kind of a life? A godly life. Does God sin? And what do we still need to live a godly life? Nothing. He's already given it to us in his son Jesus living in our hearts. We have already received everything we need to live godly. And how did we, this is amazing. Like, this is amazing. But how did we receive such an amazing gift? Keep reading. We received all of this by coming to know him. We receive everything we need to live a godly life by coming to know Jesus. Verse four. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us a great and precious promise. Well, I want a promise from God. What is it? These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption that's caused by our human desires. What? Leave that verse up for a while. You're looking for your next tattoo? Get that tattooed in Hebrew and Greek somewhere because it's more spiritual if you do it in Greek. It would have looked cooler in Hebrew, but it wasn't said in Hebrew, it was said in Greek, so you have to do it in a funky language. When we repent of our sin and make Jesus the Lord of our life, we go from sinner to saint, orphan to child, and we're given an invitation to share in the divine nature of God. We share in the divine nature of our heavenly father. And God doesn't sin. He is holy. And we're called to be holy like he is holy. Peter said this. Just as he who called you, God, is holy. Uncommon church, be holy in everything that you do. For it is written, God said this. Be holy, why? Because I am holy, the Lord said. God would not ask you to do something that is impossible. And I love when people argue with me. No, mm -mm, no, listen. Praise hallelujah, mm, hallelujah. We have, we have been born with a sin nature. Yes, you were born with a sin nature, but when you repented of your sin and made Jesus the Lord of your life, that person and that nature died. You were born again with a new nature into a new family, with a new name, you no longer have a sin nature you share in the divine nature of our God. And our God goes from good to more gooderer. The Bible says from glory to glory. So if we're not going in our life, in our marriage, in our faith, from glory to glory, he's not doing something wrong, we are. Second Corinthians chapter three says, but we, with an unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We, every Sunday morning when we sing, every Wednesday night, in your car driving to work with a Spotify playlist of worship, you get to behold the glory of God. And what happens when you do that? You are being transformed into the same image. Does your Bible say this? Why don't our... Why don't we live like this? When we behold his glory, his glory transforms us into his image 
and we, like him, go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Our lives are transformed by the image of God. Our lives are transformed by his glory, and we go from glory to glory. Where does that happen? In his presence. His presence is what transforms us. So when we are immersed in his love, when we're immersed in his presence, when we're immersed in his word, when we're immersed in his Holy Spirit, in his kingdom, it transforms us to become more like him, meaning that if you're not growing deeper in your faith, deeper in your holiness, you're backsliding because he's always moving forward. God's kingdom is always moving forward. It's always moving up and in the deeper things. And you probably think I'm, I'm crazy, but you can't stand still on the escalator of the kingdom of God. Amen. You never get to take a time out in Jesus' world because he goes from glory to glory. Ergo, we go from glory to glory as we pursue him. And you might think I'm crazy when I'm like, listen, I don't understand the we're not supposed to sin thing. Listen, you're not alone in the process. He has given us his Holy Spirit. So our sins have not only been forgiven, it's the Holy Spirit who, who's a mark and a seal on our life and keeps us from sinning. First John, John put it this way, First John chapter one. This is the message that we heard from Jesus and we're now declaring it to uncommon church. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all, meaning he is holy, he is sinless, he is light. And we are to be like him, verse six. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. Leave that verse up for a minute. The truth is that we have been called to be like him, to go from glory to glory, to live holy, but if we say that we're still living according to our sin nature, we're lying. Because the truth says we've been called to live according to his nature and in his spiritual light. Keep reading in verse seven. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. We have fellowship with Jesus, his blood, and his son. And But what happens? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from some of our sin. Whoa, whoa, wait, what? Hold on, what translation do you guys have? Because the Bible says, we are cleansed from all of our sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, not from some sin, all sin. And when you remove all sin, you're left with holiness. However, if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. Now leave that verse up for a minute because it seems like it just contradicted itself. Listen, we are no longer sinners, we are saints. But yes, once in a while, we do not act according to the divine nature of God. Once in a while, we do not act like a child of the Most High God. We do not act like kingdom royalty. Once in a couple of years, we say something we shouldn't do, think something we shouldn't think, do something we shouldn't do. So what do we do in that case? We do verse nine. If we will confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us once again from some wickedness. Golly, you guys have the right version of the Bible that he says, when we sin, no, sorry. It didn't say that. It said if. If we sin, 
not when, if we sin, we ask him to forgive us and he will cleanse us from all righteousness, all wickedness. And if we have been cleansed of all wickedness, what is left? Holiness. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and we're showing that his word has no place in our lives. Leave that up for a second because this is where people go, no, see, praise hallelujah, it is okay for a Christian to sin sometimes. It's natural. We're no longer living a natural life. We're living a supernatural life. Can you leave this verse up for a minute? Because I'm going to go off my notes and just do a little thing. No, I'm not. The Holy Spirit said, don't do it now. Because I was going to say something I probably shouldn't say. Let me just say what the Bible says. When John wrote this letter, he wrote it as one letter. There were no chapter breaks and there were no verses. He was just writing to the church to encourage them. But when they broke up this letter into chapters, for some reason, the, the people that were writing this or, or, or splitting up this letter felt like there was a break here. But I would say that there's not a break. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our lives. That would almost give the implication that it's okay to sin, except for the very single next verse. Dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Say it again for the people on YouTube. I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. God wouldn't have put it in the Bible if it weren't possible. You can live the Christian life without sinning. But, keep reading, if, not when, if anyone ever does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. And that advocate is Jesus Christ, who is truly righteous. So let's leave that verse up for a minute while I talk about this. Before we were Christians, when we were lost, we were sinners. Before we repented of our sin, before we asked Jesus to come into our heart, we needed a savior. But after going from sinner to saint, we no longer need a savior, we need a lawyer. Please don't misunderstand me. We always need a savior. On your 100th birthday, when you're falling asleep, with your family and grandkids around and you're going to heaven, you still need a savior. You always need a savior. But just follow along with the theology of what John is trying to teach. Before you are a Christian, you need a savior. After you are a Christian, you need a lawyer. And did you notice that John said, if you sin, not when you sin. If a Christian sins, it is Jesus that defends us before his father in the courts of heaven. Why? Because Christians have been given the power over sin. So therefore, if a Christian sins, we're doing it willfully. Because we are not sinners, we are saints. And sinners sin, saints don't. But if a, a, sinner, if a saint were to sin, we need a lawyer to defend us because we are children of God and we're supposed to share in his divine nature. Therefore, we're supposed to live our lives without sin. 
But if we ever willingly sin against Jesus, it's first degree sin. Because we know better. Because the Holy Spirit was convicting you of that sin when you were tempted to sin. So what do we do? We skip down to verse six in the same letter. Those who say that they live in God should live their life just like Jesus did. Leave that verse up for a minute. Those who say they believe in God should live just like Jesus. Jesus was sinless. He was holy. But more importantly, while we're here on earth, we are been given the opportunity to continue the work of Jesus on the earth. Therefore, it is up to us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, love on lost people, humble ourselves and serve the kingdom. It's our job to continue to do what Jesus did. By the way, I haven't started doing heroin this week. I had blood drawn for just a weekly. Hey, I'm gonna, after all these years in ministry. Um, those of you that know me and know my fear of needles, by the way, I have no fear of needles in Jesus' name because I share in the divine nature of God. But God doesn't like needles either. So it's possible that when they were putting the, the thing in my arm, I may have done one of these numbers a little bit and then hit the muscle and then did that. We are... <laughs> I shouldn't have gone off that trail. Jesus said... His followers, his disciples, he said that uncommon church would do the same things that he did. And then Jesus corrected himself. He said, nah, fam, you're not gonna do what I did. You're gonna do greater things than I've done. Jesus was tempted in every way one can be tempted, but he never gave in to sin. He was tempted as a man. Well, he was tempted, but he's God. He was in a man body. He was tempted in the same ways that we are tempted, but Jesus said no to sin. But today, Christian parents, church parents are raising their kids to say, honey, it's normal if you want to smoke a little weed. It's normal if you want to get high. I don't expect you to be a virgin when you get married. Let's not get crazy about this Jesus stuff. Parents, can we stop lowering the bar of holiness, but instead raise it, if you know what I'm saying? Just because you're not willing to live a Christian life the way that the Bible says we should, don't become, make your kids become sorry Christians too. Okay, so here's my little time out, and I might say something I shouldn't, but just stay right there on my notes. When I was a kid, back in the 80s and 90s, we weren't allowed to listen to secular music, only Christian music. But now, there basically is no Christian music except for really cheesy, awful music and good worship music. Do you know why my parents said that? Because it was the 80s and it was a very shameful, controlling environment. Okay, yes, but <laughs> my parents knew the value of only speaking life and not death. And why would we sing verbally songs that were written by unbelievers and then getting those promises added to our lives? No wonder the church is in a mess today. Wasn't that good that y'all just went, whoa! So I thank my mom for protecting me from speaking all sorts of vile garbage over my life by singing along to music. And I did a terrible job as a parent by allowing my kids to listen to secular music and to declare those truths of sin, of lust, of fear, of anger, of hatred over their lives and over my family. 
Jesus said, or sorry, John said, if you sin, you have an advocate that'll plead your case to the Father. He didn't say when you sin. So sadly, we, we go through the waters of baptism, but we hold on to our pet sins. We're like, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son. You're like, yep, lust, greed, pride, anger, loneliness, depression, getting high, sleeping with people I'm not married to, and we come out of the waters of baptism, and we're still holding on to the things that we're supposed to be dead in the water. Read the same letter and just go one chapter later. John says, as you know, Jesus came to take away our sins. Why are you holding on to the things that Jesus is trying to take away from you? Let me read it again, because not everybody got it. John got it, but nobody else got it. As you know, Jesus came to take away our sins. There is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will sin sometimes. Anyone who continues to live, oh snap, will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Leave that verse up for a long time. Most Christians today have simply never really been introduced to Jesus, or they don't understand who he really is. Yes, they go to church. They sing the song. They might even serve as on one of the teams. They tithe, but they don't really know who Jesus is. They don't really understand who he is because there's still sin that we're carrying in our lives. It's like we're zombies. Like, on the outside, we're alive, but on the inside, we're dead. Or we're sleepwalking. On the outside, I'm awake, but on the inside, spiritually, I am completely dead. I'm telling you, it's time to wake up and realize that Jesus is in glory, and we are to go from glory to glory and follow in his footsteps. When I was putting this together and reminded of sleeping, I thought about the transfiguration when Jesus took three of his disciples and in prayer reflected heaven's glory through his, his man body. Luke chapter nine, I'll read it fairly quickly. About eight days after this, Jesus said, uh, Jesus said this. He took Peter, James, and John with him up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men were suddenly standing there with him. Moses and Elijah appeared in this glorious splendor, and they were talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which was about to bring in fulfillment in Jerusalem. Jesus was going to die, be resurrected. Don't forget Peter, James, and John were there. Verse 32, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two other men standing there with him. Church, it's time to wake up and see God's glory because you've been in church, but you've been sleepy. You've been in church, but you've got sleep in your eyes. It's time to wake up. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. You've got to wake up and see his glory. Fully awake. You can't sleepwalk through church anymore. I'm calling you to a higher level. If you want to be a sleepwalking Christian, you're going to be uncomfortable at this church. 
because I'm always going to be sounding the alarm. There's no snooze button in the kingdom of God. Wake up and see that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But we're not alone. He has given us his Holy Spirit, his power, his presence, his glory is meant to be experienced on the earth. We are not meant to live a life that is separate from his power and his presence and glory. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome about waking up to the alarm going off. He said in Romans chapter 13, this is all the more urgent of a matter for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Well, I got saved last week. Yeah, it's a lot closer now than it was last week. I got saved 40 years ago. Still closer than when you first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. But what do we do? Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Let's talk about living holy. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for others to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity, immoral living and quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. And don't let yourself even think about ways to indulge evil desire. Let's use Romans 13 as a final outline of how we should respond to holy living. Number one, wake up. Stop sleeping spiritually. Our time on this earth is almost over. Jesus is coming back for his bride, like a bridegroom coming back for his bride. And he's looking for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle, that she is holy before him. Wake up and realize the hour that God has put you in. Number two, remove any dark deeds from verse 12. Remove any dark deeds. Strip off dark deeds. Stinky, smelly, gross clothing. You just rip it off and throw it in the laundry. But then he said, put on the armor of holiness, righteousness, and purity. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin that you've allowed in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to point out any wicked way that's still in your life. Why? so that you can put on God's armor of righteousness and holiness and purity. Why do you think he said armor? Because we're in a battle for our hearts. We're in a battle for our marriages. We're in a battle for our kids. We're in a battle for this city. We're in a battle for this nation. Yes. We're in a battle for people that are far from God and they don't know him. Verse 13, number three, live a decent holy life for other people to see. There should not be a, a work version of you and a church version of you. Language that you use around your church friends and language you use around your work friends. When people see you, they should see Jesus. In fact, you might be the only representation of Jesus that some people will ever see. Make sure that you represent him well, that you re-present Jesus. That when people meet you, it's like, wow, I just feel so loved. I feel so honored. I feel so, so encouraged. I, I feel like I've been around goodness, holiness, light you have. I remind you, Jesus doesn't cuss. He doesn't get drunk. He doesn't get high. He doesn't have fear. He isn't rude. He's not immoral. He's not jealous. We are to live holy like Jesus is holy. Number four, verse 14. 
Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus. And don't even think about sin. Wow. Thinking about sin is the first step towards sinning. So stop thinking about sin. Stop entertaining yourself with sin. Think about all the movies and TV shows you've watched in the last week or two or five. Was it life-giving, encouraging, holy? Or was it entertainment with sin? Lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, immorality. He's saying don't even think about sin. Clothe yourself with his presence. You remember John said, if a believer continues in their sin, it's because they don't know him or understand him. The more that we're in his presence, the more we learn his character and his nature. And we're learning to clothe ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're learning to be more like him. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus when we read our Bible. And if you're not reading your Bible, start. We need to learn the divine nature of God. Why? Because that's supposed to be our nature. If we're gonna share in his nature, You'd better read Genesis to Revelation and determine for yourself, what does the Bible say about the character and nature of God? Take 15, 20 minutes a day and read the scriptures. Learn the character and nature of God. When you, when you don't read your Bible, when you skip church because you don't feel like it or because the kids had an activity, listen, I'm gonna say something that's gonna offend everybody. And I've even broken this rule in my life and my family. Your child is probably not gonna play professional baseball. But they are gonna stand before God one day. What's the most important thing you're teaching them? When you willfully sin, it's first degree. Because you're not a sinner, you're a saint. So if you sin, not when, if you sin, you're doing it in rebellion against what God's called you to live. So that's why you need a lawyer. What, what's our response? Wake up and see his glory. Wake up and experience his presence. What happened this morning in our worship when people were just coming down and kneeling down and bowing down or lifting up their hearts, surrendering their life, crying out to God, when they, I see it on Wednesday night, the same thing in our, in our hour of worship and prayer. I love that. Why? Because they're learning to be more like him. They're, 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 they're soaking in it. It's like they're, they're marinated in it. I had a great marinade this week. Oh man, I nailed it. I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just saying it was awesome and I'm amazing. But that's because that meat was just slowly soaking in that flavor. So even though it had been cooked and all that, and I, I, I bit into it, I tasted the meat, yes, because that's why God made cows, but amen. But I tasted the marinade because the meat had been soaking in it. When people take a little nibble of your life, it should be like they've tasted Jesus. That wasn't a good one to clap on, but whatever. We were never a great clapping church anyway. Like at the Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John became fully awake and they were like, oh my gosh, 
Oh my God. <laughs> I love that it took you a second to get that joke. But it wasn't, they didn't see his glory until they became fully awake. Fully awake people see Jesus in his glory. So shake off the slumber, shake off the sleep, fix your eyes on Jesus and hop up on your feet. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, today is your day to repent of your sin and surrender your life to Jesus. If you're watching at home online, your heart's probably already beating out of your chest because today is your day to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm talking to two people right now. I'm not talking to every Christian. I'm talking to people that are not yet Christians. I'm talking to people that are still categorized by God as a sinner, as an orphan. You have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Today is your day to repent to turn, to die to your old life so you can live for Jesus, to receive the gift of eternal life so you will never experience death. Yeah, your body will die, but you will go from life to eternal life, from glory to glory. This might be the first time in your life you ever prayed a prayer like this, or maybe it's been a minute. Maybe you walked away from God. You allowed pain back into your heart and you allowed sin back into your life and you were trying to do your life according to what you thought was best, but it led you down, it was a trap, and it led you down a road that you never should have gone down. You have experienced pain, you've experienced loss, you've experienced heartache, abuse, sin hurts. Sometimes it's not even your sin, it's other people's sin against you. But what's happened is the result is it's created such a pain that you feel so far from God. Today is your day to become a child of the Most High God. Today is your day to become a saint. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer. You have to believe it, but I can help you. I can lead you. This might be the first time in your life or the first time in a long time you've ever prayed a prayer like this, but today is absolutely your day of salvation. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. I just wanna to talk to some people here for a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to soften people's hearts, open their eyes to the desperate need that we have to become saints, to live holy, and to shake off this slumber and to shake off sin. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning that needs to pray and get right with God, would you shoot your hand up real high right now and say, preacher, pray for me. Just shoot your hand up. I see your hand over there. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand over there. Anybody else? I see your hand over there. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. You say, preacher, pray for me. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? Come on. Good. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Wow. I saw three or four people raise their hand. What about you at home online? Are you right there in your bedroom, and your living room, tears streaming down your face, but you're ready to get right with God today? Just shoot your hand up between you and God and say, preacher, pray for me. Listen, if you believe it in your heart, I want to lead you in a prayer. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says, if you sin, ask God to forgive you. Some of you that have been saved for a long time, Maybe you didn't sin this week. So don't pray the prayer. But if there's any sin in your life, whether you raise your hand or not, if you believe it in your heart, pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I ask that you would forgive me. I repent and I surrender my life to you. I receive the gift of eternal life. Be the Lord of my heart the savior of my soul and I receive adoption into the family of God. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. 
for forgiving me, for adopting me, for making me holy. I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen? What do you say for those that got right with God today? Listen, I want to talk to the Christians. I want to talk to the Christians that have been closet alcoholics. I want to talk to the Christians that have been getting high on the weekends. I want to talk to the Christians that have been fooling around with people they're not married to. I want to talk to the Christians that have been your secret porn addiction. Listen, the, the Holy Spirit is in the room with you. It's not a secret. And he's like, dude, no mas. I've called you to be holy because every time we sin, he has to go back to the courts and defend us. So put yourself in the shoes of somebody that's been arrested of a crime and you're standing before the judge. What does the judge want to see in your life? Repentance and change. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I know this is the 347,000th time I've committed this sin since becoming a Christian, but I'm going to change my life. I'm gonna change my computer, I'm gonna change my phone, I'm gonna change my job, I'm gonna change my city, I'm gonna change my apartment, I'm gonna change my friends, I'm gonna change my passwords, I'm gonna change my Netflix subscription, I'm gonna change whatever it takes and I'm not gonna do it again. I'm gonna break off that friendship, break off that dating relationship, I'm gonna break off whatever it takes so that I can live holy like you are holy because that's what you've called me to be. So if you're a Christian, knock it off. Stop sinning, live holy. He said, if you sin, not when you sin. Our job is to live holy like He is holy. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for our church. Lord, we don't have to live holy, we get to. We don't have to live holy, we want to. So Holy Spirit, I pray we wouldn't get away with anything. Holy Spirit, I pray you would soften our hearts that we would not get away with thinking things we shouldn't think, saying things we shouldn't think, say, doing things we shouldn't do. Holy Spirit, I pray that we wouldn't even think about sin. We wouldn't be entertained by sin. We would fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We would draw in closer to your presence. I pray that you would transform us in your presence, that your glory would take us to higher and deeper levels. And I'm asking as the leader of this house, that you would make us holy like you are holy, that, that we would not sin against you, and that if we do, we would be quick to ask for forgiveness, that we would live holy. Help us, Lord, to live holy in Jesus' name. I'd like our prayer team to come down to the front. Here's how we're gonna respond. We're gonna press into the Lord. Why? Because His presence transforms us. If you need prayer for any reason, I want you to come pray with one of our prayer team. If you were one of the three or four people that raised your hand, please come down front because you look over at that Jesus wall. Every single light bulb is a person that raised their hand and prayed that prayer and surrendered their life to Jesus in the last year. We want to screw in a light bulb for you. Listen, if you're watching at home online right now, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. It's going to give you an auto response form. Fill the form out and click submit because we want to screw in a light bulb for you on the Jesus wall. And we also want to begin to pray for you and encourage you on your walk with God. If you're here this morning and there's pain in your body or sickness in your body, that is not God's will for you. We wanna pray for healing in Jesus' name. 
If there is something going on in your life that you're struggling with, it could be sin, it could be fear, it could be a financial situation, a relationship situation. These men and women have been praying for you all week. So come, just take a minute or two and let us pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God. Everybody else, I want you to press in to his presence, press in to his glory, because that's where we're transformed. Let's go.